Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Is it finally happening for Matt Manning? Let's find out. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, August 25th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scotty Dub. Scott White, today on the show. Is Matt Manning happening? Is he a must-add? I don't know. We will discuss. We've got some pitcher's duels, the drop meter and much more. But let's jump in. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. All right, Scott. Well, I have the breadstick of the day. How do you want to handle this? Go ahead. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, we'll, we'll probably end up splitting the breadstick. I'll, All right. I'll, uh, you'll, you'll reach for it, and I'll, I'll give you kind of the side eye. <laughs> And they'll be like, you know what? Let's just split it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'm a generous guy. You're, you know, we'll, we'll make it happen. Anyway, let's talk about Matt Manning. Is it time to take him seriously? He was up against the Giants here on Wednesday. He went six shutout. He gave up five hits, zero walks, eight strikeouts in this one. 16 swinging strikes on 95 pitches with 12 of those whiffs coming on the slider. And speaking of that slider, the velocity was up about one mile per hour on that pitch in this start. His curve velocity was also up about a mile and a half. Is that how we say it? A mile... mile and a half? A mile per... Well, where do you get the per hour? Yeah. The per hour has to go in there somewhere. The curve was up 1.5 miles per hour. That's what we'll go with. And okay. He did throw that slider more in this start, which has been a very good pitch for him this year. Um, 190 batting average against a 40% whiff rate. So like we've seen with many pitchers this year, it's, you know, slider is your best pitch. Let's lean into that pitch. And and that is what's happening for Matt Manning right now. He's made seven starts this season. He's got a 2-3-7 ERA. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's flashed a little bit since returning here, Scotty. 31% rostered, widely available. What do you think about Matt Manning? Is he a must-add? Well, Matt Manning is he must-add. Uh, potentially. Like this is this is a drastic improvement for a guy who looks like, you know, there's there was no such thing as a piss, pitching prospect, that whole baseball prospectus tin stap thing. But but to the extent that there is such thing as a pitching prospect, Matt Manning looked like a, a bankable one for, let's see, five straight years he was a top 100 prospect according to Baseball America. Big strikeout rates. And then, just before he was promoted last year, things took a turn for worse. For the, for the worse. He had an 8.07 ERA and seven starts at AAA Toledo that year. So, you know, kind of the Tigers kind of set him up for failure by calling him up then is what I'm saying. And things predictably went poorly for the 18 starts he made for the Tigers uh, last year. So what we have seen here from Matt Manning lately 
looks a lot better. This was his third straight start with double-digit swinging strikes. Or I'm sorry, his fourth straight start with double-digit swinging strikes. He had only had two previously in his entire, entire major league career. You mentioned that he got 12 of those swinging strikes on the slider. That seems to be what's fueled his change here because earlier this year, remember Matt Manning missed time with, uh, I believe it was a, a shoulder issue. And during that time, he, he said he worked on he worked on the slider. He wasn't satisfied with the way he was throwing it. He put a lot of work into fixing it. He says it gets a lot more horizontal movement now. It looks a lot like his fastball now. And uh, the numbers seem to be bearing that out. Now, his, you know, I mentioned fourth straight start with double digit swinging strikes. The previous three were against the Twins, Rays, and White Sox. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. The, the Rays, White Sox, and Angels, three bad matchups, or three favorable matchups, I should say. And so you wondered, okay, is, is, does, is that why Matt Manning is finding more success now? But then he has this start against the Giants. You know, clearly a tough lineup, a tough matchup, and uh, it's, it looks like his best start yet. So I would say, given the pedigree, uh, the, the, the numbers he put up for most of his minor league career, and these changes he talked about making to his slider, which now has a whiff rate over 40% for the season, that pitch specifically, I, I would say Matt Manning may be starting to live up to his potential, and the potential is high enough that, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I'd call must add, but I definitely wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, shame anybody for picking him up in any size format at this point. It's too early to say, but he might be a two-star pitcher for next week, too. The matchups would be the Mariners and the Royals. We'll find out more about that tomorrow when we do the Week 22 uh, preview. But let's just compare Matt Manning to a few of the most added pitchers right now. Uh, Ross Stripling is up to 72%. He is the most added pitcher on CBS. Who would you prefer? Manning. Mike Soroka. Manning. Austin Voth. Manning. Eduardo Rodriguez. Oh, I might have to. I might have to lean Rod there, but that that's a close call. I think so too. Nick Lodolo. Mm, I I think Manning. Last one, Justin Steele. Also a close call, but you know Steele has has kept it going for how many starts in a row now? It's uh, probably like eight, eight or nine, I think. Yeah, nine starts, a 147 ERA during that stretch. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give the edge to Justin Steele there. Yeah. All right, so Scotty likes Matt Manning quite a bit. And last point on him, you know, I was wondering if maybe he's just finally healthy. You know, he had so much time off this season, but, you know, he had an entire offseason to get healthy last year too, and it didn't really happen. I remember in the shortened 2020 season, he was working out at the alternate training site, whatever it was called, and he suffered a forearm injury. And then last year, right before the season, he had a shoulder injury. So it feels like he's constantly dealing with some kind of arm injury. Maybe he's finally just healthy and throwing this new slider, which is amazing. So uh, all those things add up to Matt Manning being a nice waiver wire ad right now. Oh my goodness gracious for you, Scotty, who you got? I'm going to go with Nate Lowe. You had a long time to add him off the waiver wires. Recently, as the start of this week, he was... 75% rostered, still out there in a quarter of CBS Sports Leagues. Uh, it's gotten up over 80 now, just this week. So I guess you missed your chance, and, you know, in all likelihood. He's still out there in some leagues, obviously. But he's you've had a long time to add him, and uh, I don't know what you were doing because he's been good for a long time. He went three... I'm sorry, he homered for a second straight day on Wednesday. He's now homered in three of his past four games. Since June 7th, a total of 70 games, 70 games, like half a season's worth of games almost, Nate Lowe, or Nathaniel Lowe, as he's known in many places, is batting 321 with 15 homers, OPS over 900. Mm. 
During that same stretch, 70 games, he is the ninth best first baseman in points leagues. He is the fifth best first baseman in categories leagues, five by five leagues, roto leagues, whatever you want to call it. Fifth best. Behind, you know, because sometimes when you, you, take these smaller samples of games, you know, it's not that unusual for some weird names to pop in there, but just to give you an idea what a 70 game stretch looks like, the only four first basemen ahead of Nate Lowe in categories leagues during those 70 games are Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman, Vladimir Guerrero, Matt Olson. Wow. Exactly the guys you'd expect, you know, maybe Pete Alonso you'd expect to be in, in there as well. But the point is Nate Lowe's up there with, the best at first base over seven over a seventy game stretch, and uh, that's uh, that 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 seems like a bigger deal than than it has than it, it it's gotten credit for being. You know what it reminds me of, Scott? The way that Andres Jimenez has broken out this year, and it just seems like it's flying under the radar. Same thing with Nathaniel Lowe. He's He's been great, as you pointed out, right? basically since the start of June. And I always liked him. One thing that. A few things that I liked about him. Last year, he hit the ball really hard. He always walked a good amount. And as a left-handed batter, he hit well against lefties. I love seeing that for young players because, you know, it kind of eases my mind about playing time, don't have to worry about platoon, so on and so forth. And this season against lefties, he is actually far better against them than he is against righties. So he's batting 336 with a 960 OPS against left-handed pitching this season. It's it's really uncanny that he's he's that good against lefties. It's He almost has a reverse split thing going on this year. He's been fine against right. He's just not nearly as good. So uh, yeah, just one thing that always stood out to me. He's still hitting the ball hard this year. Uh, A big change for him, the launch angle. He is hitting less ground balls this year, putting the ball in the air more, line drives, and it's it's all coming together. So you love to see it with Nathaniel Lowe. He is up to 80% rostered, as you mentioned, Scotty. But yeah, I think very firmly a top 20 first baseman, probably should approach the top 15. I don't know if you updated your rankings today, Scotty, did you? I did. Uh, maybe I'm not sure if I spent enough time on him specifically. Yeah, it, it, I couldn't quite get him into the top 20 rest of season uh, because of so many guys who are eligible at weaker positions, plus first base is just kind of the one deep position. But it, it you know. He deserves to be rostered. He deserves to be started just about everywhere. Yeah, 1,000%. I'm looking at the names just ahead of him in my rankings. Vinny P, RIP, I'm sorry, but he's he'll be back. Don't worry. Um, Brandon Drury has been good all season. That's fine. Like Profar has slowed down a little bit. I could see having Nate Lowe over Profar, uh, over Cronenworth for me. It's close between him and Arise in a points league, but you know Arise is really, really good in this format. So you know, that, would, that would get Nate Lowe up around... 17, 18, something like that in, in first base rank. So I think, he's yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of like a big tier yeah, from 12 to 22, 23, 24 at that position. And I, you know, I, ha- I have him toward the back of it, but like, it's, I, I don't feel comfortable with that. Yeah. Speaking of those Rangers, they, uh, they sure liked Coors Field. They put up 16 runs on 18 hits thanks to uh, Nate Lowe, but also Corey Seager had a big game. He went two for four with two doubles and two RBI. And Martin Perez, I have him in a few leagues. I benched him in every single one, as I assume most people did. And he went out there and he had an amazing start. Six shutout innings, four hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. That brings him to 18 quality starts on the season. That's tied for fourth most in Major League Baseball. And the ERA down to 2.69. And you know, Scott, the the underlying numbers have actually lined up a little bit better as the season has gone along. So I think that's just a testament to how well Martin Perez really has pitched this year. So I wouldn't have blamed people for benching him in cores, but just another great start. Yeah, he's had a really good year. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to approach him next year. <laughs> I think I'm going to have a lot of skepticism. But, you know, it may be one of those situations where everybody does, and, and so I end up drafting him, sort of like happened with Adolis Garcia in a couple leagues this year. You know, I, I understood the skepticism surrounding him, but if everybody shares your skepticism at some point, yeah, you just you just okay. I'll bet on him doing it again. I guess. Right. It, it kind of reminds me of how we, as a community, valued Adam Wainwright. I know you were higher on him than most, Scott, but you know, 
nobody wanted anything to do with Adam Wainwright. Boring, I got old, a ton of Wainwright. veteran. Yeah. And it might be the same thing for Martin Perez next year, but you know, you don't need to depend on him to be a starter on your team. I don't, I don't think you'll have to draft him that way either. Speaking of pitching, we have a few deeper waiver wire pitchers. No one to the level of a Matt Manning, obviously, but a few names here that caught my eye. Spencer Watkins turns in another strong start against the White Sox this time. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts in this one, and he did throw his slider a bunch. He basically doubled the usage of that pitch in this start, and it's a pretty good pitch. 154 batting average against. Doesn't get a bunch of whiffs, but... You know, in terms of results, it is his best pitch. This is Spencer Watkins. Um, and in nine games since returning to the Orioles, eight of those starts, 2.83 ERA. He is 14% rostered. The other name is Brian Bayo, who made his return to the Red Sox here. And he turned in his best start of his young career. He obviously hasn't really had a good one yet. But uh, five innings, two runs, seven strikeouts against the Blue Jays. He had 13 swinging strikes on 65 pitches. That is a 20% swinging strike rate, and he's only 15% rostered. Scott, what do you think of these names in deeper leagues? Spencer Watkins, Brian Bayo. I don't think much of them. I mean, Spencer Watkins is probably pre- better than he gets credit for, but that doesn't mean he's especially good, you know? Like, in most fantasy leagues, what you're looking for with a, a waiver claim at starting pitcher, unless it's a streaming situation, and, and that is the, the most streamed position, and 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 that's fine if 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 that's what you're looking for and and the matchups make it justifiable but for the most part what you're looking for is is impact and somebody like Spencer Watkins just doesn't have that kind of potential it, it, yeah he'll he'll have some pretty good starts from time to time but not he'll he'll never rise to the level of i have to i have to you know i have to keep this guy on my roster uh, because he's just so good Bayo has that kind of potential. He has impact potential. Of course, this is the first time we've seen him have any measure of success in the majors. It was against the Blue Jays, so that you know that's a that's a, a pretty strong endorsement. It was against the Tigers or anything like that. Thirteen swinging strikes on just sixty-five pitches. The changeup, which has been his best pitch, both in terms of uh, quality of contact and whiff rate, it was especially good in this one. He threw his sinker a lot more than usual. Maybe that pairs better with the changeup. I don't know. But bottom line is, step forward for Bayo. We need to see a lot more, I think, before we're going to trust him as anything like a starter in fantasy. All right. Anything to see here, Scott? I mean, this would probably be the deepest of leagues, but Mike Myers, who formerly is a reliever of the Angels, it's actually spelled M-A-Y-E-R-S, not like the Halloween movie or anything, but he is transitioning to be a starter and he was solid at Tampa Bay. Five shutout with five strikeouts. He had 12 swinging strikes on 78 pitches. He really hasn't been great outside of the short in 2020, but anything to see here with Mike Myers' start. So you mentioned Halloween. How does, <laughs> how does it like Austin Powers, Mike Myers spell his name? Do they all spell their names differently? That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. You look it up. Let's find out. Uh, yeah, this Mike Myers of the Angels, I don't think is much. I don't think there's much to see here. He has had good years as a reliever in the past. This year hasn't been one of them, and you know ERA well over four. The whip side too. This first start was decent, but not enough for me to act on really in a league of any size. Mm-hmm. So they are all spelt. M-Y-E-R-S. Both the Halloween Michael Myers and Austin Powers Mike Myers. Okay. And then this one is M-A-Y-E-R-S. Because one of them could have been M-E-Y-E-R-S. Yeah, that's true. That is, that is a legitimate spelling of Myers. Yeah, kind of like Max Meyer, but with an S on the end there. Yeah. How do you feel about the Austin Powers movies? You in? Uh, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen one in like 20 years, probably. <laughs> I, I remember enjoying them as a teenager. So, and you know, that, that wasn't true for everything. So yeah. And if, funny. You, and if you were enjoying them as a teenager, that means I was way too young to be watching them. <laughs> and I did true. anyway. So that's, uh, that's how I got here, I guess, you know, the person who loves all cheesy comedy, right? Like Adam Sandler movies, Michael Myers, you know, uh, Austin Powers, rather. Um, you know, yeah. you know who made an appearance in one of those 
Austin Powers movie. Who would that be? I once knew a man named Lorenzo. <laughs> last name gained like mine, only spelled differently. No E. No, that's as far as I'm going to go with it. Sorry. Perfect. That, totally look, impromptu there. Scott, that will be enough for many people who are longing for the Michael Caine, Scott White impression. Let's fire up the drop-o-meter, Scott. We haven't done this in a while, and it feels like every day I'm getting questions about the same hitters. Can I drop this guy? Can I drop this guy? So let's find out. Where can you actually drop these players? Let's assume a standard 12-team league. 10 on the drop-o-meter. You could drop this player, no questions asked, for anyone who's available. Zero. No. You definitely want to hold on to this guy. J.D. Martinez, we've talked about him a lot recently. He's got nine homers on the season. I think he hasn't homered since the beginning of July, something like that. Post-All-Star break, he's hitting 178, of course, zero homers, and a 506 OPS guy. I mean, he's just, he's absolutely draining you. He's doing nothing right now. Where is he on the drop meter Uh, Okay, so who was it you were mentioning there? Sorry. <laughs> J.D. Martinez. I have to, I have to like re program myself after doing that Michael Caine thing like I have to I would go over it in my head like was that embarrassing did I do a good thing you <laughs> it know was, and it I was kind of just have to lock in again okay it was great um yeah JD Martinez I think he is I think he's pretty droppable at this point three three outfielder league standard size 12 teams you know yeah it's just not providing enough of namely power but um, not enough of anything else either. Yeah. The uh, father time might be catching up here on JD Martinez. Would you drop him for Lars Nupar? Yes. I think that's probably going to be the question for all of these players, right? Lars Nupar hit another homer on Wednesday, his fifth homer Lar- of the season. He was Lars leading- Nupar is shaping up to be this year's Frank Schwindel. Oh, yes. I mean, hopefully he has a better future than Frank Schwindel turned out to, but. Fair. Uh, just, you know, for redraft purposes, we'll leave it at that. All right. So Lars Nupar, 49% rostered. Scott is good with dropping Martinez for him. Ty France, post-All-Star break, he is hitting 182, three homers, a 540 OPS. I know he missed some time with injury, so perhaps he's not fully healthy ever since he's come back. He just hasn't looked like the player we saw earlier on in the season. Probably was going to be some natural regression anyway because he was hitting so well. Uh, where is Ty France on the drop meter it's not quite as high and not nearly as high as JD Martinez because he is second base eligible, right? That makes a big difference. Uh, not that outfield isn't weak, but you know, there are a lot of outfielders and uh, not as many second basemen. So I would say, uh, Ty, oh, oh, were we, are we given numbers here? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, zero to 10. So if JD Martinez was like uh seven let's say i'll go four for ty france all right three shallow league names would you drop ty france for any of vaughn grissom gene segura nate Lowe? so two second basemen and one first baseman i am pretty confident i have him ranked ahead of all three (laughs) i I am i am (laughs) quickly rethinking that position because like it's just (laughs) You know, Vaughn Grissom shouldn't be available. And obviously, yeah. if I'm setting my lineup for next week, I'm putting Grissom in over Ty France. Yeah. I just, yeah, I'm, I, I don't, I, I, maybe I need to look at him closer, but I'm not quite ready to, to move on from France. Yeah, and it's hard to believe that Ty France is the worst player on your team, even in a shallow league. I have to assume you have a worse player than him. So maybe just plop him on the bench for now, but um, could heat up for the final month once again. That is Ty France. Could tell Marte. Uh, lots of questions about him right now. In the second half, he's hitting 202. He's got two homers, zero steals. Also missing time with some injuries, so probably battling something. I don't know that he's completely healthy. He's only got a 608 OPS during the second half. Scott, where is he on the drop meter He is like a five, maybe a six. I would definitely take Vaughn Grissom over him at this point. Let's see, who else did you ask me about? Gene Segura? Yeah. That's close. I feel That's like Segura, Segura hasn't done much since returning from injury. Oh, no, he's he's done much. Oh, has he? He's done much since returning. I mean, he just had a big game here on Wednesday. Yeah, I know. He, three, for, three for five game. That that gives him, you know, all, all confined to August. Since returning, a 328 batting average, two home runs, three steals. Boom. Pretty good. What am I saying? All right, so let's make that move. You doing that, Segura over Quetzal Marte? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think I would lean yes on that. I'm, I'm noticing now Segura's not in my rankings here. <laughs> so I need to fix that. that that's always embarrassing. Man, uh, Gene Segura's awesome. Yeah. It's just like, well, you know, vet, that's, that's overstating it. But uh, I mean, he missed a lot of time, Scott. He's hitting 289, eight homers, 11 steals at one mm-hmm. of the worst positions this season. Yeah. It's pretty valuable stuff. So. Um, you know what? Right. I spent like four hours updating my rankings today and like <laughs> already based on what we talked about the first 25 minutes here. I just want to I just want to blow it all up. <laughs> it's just a big waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, don't, Segura's not even in there. I don't like where I have Nate Lowe ranked or Ty France ranked. It's, uh, not that I yep. look, I will never complain about this job, Scott, because obviously, <laughs> you know, I think uh, we're very privileged to be able to do this. But ranking players in fantasy baseball rest of season is probably one of the hardest time consuming things that we do here at CBS. So um, it's, it's gotten a lot harder because so. so many players are multi multi eligible now. Right. So you spend so much time just cross referencing positions to make sure <laughs> it's true. To make sure you don't have a player ahead of one player at one position, but behind that same player at another position. We're looking at you, John Birdie. Yeah. And <laughs> outfield is, oh my gosh, ranking out. Starting pitcher takes a long time, but they're, yeah. they're, I feel like there's more clarity at starting pitcher than outfield. It's just like once you get past the top 40 outfielders, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, just, just pick up whoever's hot, you know? Uh, another middle infielder, actually a lot of middle infielders on this one, Second base. Second base is bad, man. Uh, Jorge Polanco in the second half, 215 batting average, one homer, zero steals, 639 OPS. Obviously, it's been a, a letdown of a season compared to last year, Scott. Where are you at on Jorge Polanco, dropometer? So, let me check my useless rankings here. I have him behind Cattell Marte, who I just called a five, so I'm going to say six. The problem is, who can you drop him for, right? Like, Vaughn Grissom is a name we keep bringing up. He's 86% rostered. Right. It's and not it's like, realistic. Yeah. All right, here's one. Like, would you do it for Jorge Mateo if you want to just ride the hot hand? No. I, I mean, obviously, in a categories league, I would, but I, I'm kind of assuming he's rostered in all of those already. So, yeah. categories league, yes. Jorge Mateo, points league, which is Polanco's better format. Yeah. No. All right, so... It would have to be a really shallow league to find someone better than Jorge Polanco right now, but alas. And then Gleyber Torres, uh, he's got some homers here in the second half, four homers, but he's only betting 190. His OPS is at 539. He's striking out a lot. So, uh, you know, the first two or three months, it looked like, all right, Gleyber Torres back on track. This is nice to see, but really has slowed down a lot recently. Where are you at on Gleyber? Uh, so he's behind Polanco for me. I'll go I'll go seven. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I was going to say Josh Rojas may be a guy to pick up because it wasn't too long ago he was available in like a third of CBS Sports Leagues, but he's up to 85% now too. Josh Rojas is somebody I moved up quite a bit in the rankings. And, and deservedly so. It's not just a categories league thing either because he was great at stealing bases, but you know, you look at his points league standing over the past month or so, and Josh Rojas has been really good in that format too. So I think, yeah. yeah. And quadruple eligible, including third, outfield, second, shortstop as well. But like he meets he meets needs at, at positions where everybody has needs. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you can find someone better than these names, I think the ones that stand out most, uh, again, Segura, Mateo, if you want to ride, uh, ride the hot hand, Vaughn Grissom. But, you know, yeah. middle infield has, hasn't been great. You know, once you get... If you actually look at the players rostered in less than 70% of leagues, Nico Horner, Luis Arias, Nolan Gorman, Chris Taylor, John yeah. Birdie, like none of those excite me, Scott. I don't know how you feel. Well, Birdie, obviously, in, in, in categories leagues, in five by five leagues, yep. he would, he's still, he ranks pretty high for me in that format, but big separation between that and points leagues for him. Yeah, I would say those guys you mentioned, there there are formats I would be excited about adding them, but compared to the names you have listed here for the Dropometer, Jorge Polanco, Cattell Marte, even Glaber Torres, I think I think if if it comes down to them and like Nico Horner, I just stand pat. All right, let's take a look at some 
waiver wire hitters. We're dropping a few. We already talked about Lars Newbar. Uh, I don't know if I asked you this guy, but would you drop Cattell Marte for Lars Newbar in a shallow league? Uh, let me see if my rankings reflect that I would, because I did move Cattell Marte down quite a bit. So I still have him four spots ahead of Newbar and points leagues. At a position as deep as outfield, though, that's basically nothing. And, you know, I think it, it kind of depends on what your second base situation is like, I would say, mm-hmm. and how shallow your league is. Shallower the league, I think it's easier to justify. If you're not really counting on Cattell Marte as a middle infielder, I think it's easier to justify. It's close enough that I'm not going to say no. I wouldn't drop Cattell Marte for Lars Newbar. Okay. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> uh, Oscar Gonzalez is someone, it feels like I mentioned his name every single day, but he hit his fifth home run. That's back-to-back games with a dinger for him. And the exit velocity on the homer, nearly 110 miles per hour off the bat. We know that Oscar Gonzalez hits the ball really hard. And I noticed since returning from injury, the launch angle has more than doubled, Scott. So before getting hurt, Oscar Gonzalez, 4.1 degree launch angle now at 9.5 degrees. So you couple that with hitting the ball as hard as he is. And mm. I'm really excited. Like I know people are kind of like slow to, to come around on, on Oscar G right now, but 29% roster just seems too low. Yeah. I could see him having like Hunter Renfro upside. So I, I agree that that's way too low for Oscar Gonzalez. I don't think he's going to be much of a factor in points leagues would be my guess. Just, at least not this year because of how low the walk rate is. But in those five outfielder roto leagues, Oscar Gonzalez uh, is is worth picking up. And I can see why he's flown under the radar because he's behind pace homer-wise. I mean, that's the main thing he's going to do is hit home runs. And he hasn't he hasn't performed up to the pace I think you and I believe he's capable of. But maybe it's starting with home runs on back-to-back days. Mm-hmm. He does hit for a high batting average too, Scott, so he can help you out there. And the Guardians lineup is not great, but it's pesky. So there could be some counting stats there for Oscar Gonzalez as well. William Contreras went two for five with his 12th home run. He is 68% rostered. So this is just a one catcher league play that we're talking about. And Scott has him ranked as his eighth catcher. So the only. Yeah, but the Braves have started sitting him a lot again. They've been so inconsistent with how much they use him. Sure. For a while there, it, it looked like he was their primary DH. But yeah. then since they acquired, uh, they've kind of fallen in love with Robbie Grossman, played him almost every day, and that, that gives Eddie Rosario a lot of time at DH. So um, I believe for William Contreras, this was only his third start in six games. Mm. Now, I, I mean, for a catcher, you can you can live with that if he's productive enough, and Contreras, I think, is. Uh, but does that make him a top 10 catcher? Eh, it's questionable. You know, you brought up Robbie Grossman. I meant to add him to the rundown. It just slipped my mind. He went three for five with a steal, two runs, and an RBI, and he's playing pretty well recently, so... I don't think he's a must-add by any means. He's widely available. Robbie Grossman, he's 14, no, 12% rostered. In five outfielder leagues, if you need help, sure, I'm, I'm okay taking a shot on Robbie Grossman. I don't think he's been stealing any bases. Let me double-check that. He stole one today, yeah. but okay, yeah, outside so that of that, his, yeah. That was his first in 17 games since joining the Braves, and his slash line with the Braves. I mean, it's clearly better than he was doing with the Tigers, but it's still nothing to write home about. It is, uh, find that real quick. It is 260, 339, 420. So I, I think he needs to be like a prolific base deal, like a, the 20 steel guy he was last year to really, to really be a worthwhile fantasy option. Okay. The few other names here. Nick Fortes with the Marlins. He went two for four with his seventh home run. We mentioned him recently. He steals bases randomly as a catcher. Uh, I brought up a few two-catcher league targets yesterday, Scott. Would you rather have Fortes over Christian Betancourt and Elias Diaz? What do you think? I like Fortes and I like Betancourt, but neither is playing enough, I think, to consider 
outside of two catcher leagues and even then like fringy in two catcher leagues. I would say Fortes is playing a little bit more and he's also contributing the occasional stolen base. So he would be my preference over Betancourt. But, uh, you know, mainly I'm just rooting for these guys to get more playing time because I think they deserve it. I mean, if, if Fortes becomes the Marlins starting catcher next year, that that's going to be it's going to be a pretty interesting sleeper. Mm. JT Real Muto 2.0. Say it with me, Scotty. One more in deeper leagues. Drew Waters, the Royals prospect who got called up recently. He went two for two with a walk and a run scored. He's only 10% rostered. Who would you rather add in, you know, a deeper five outfielder league? Drew Waters or Robbie Grossman? Probably Grossman. I'm very skeptical of Waters. So, you know, such a high strikeout rate in the minors. And generally, and unless it's a big time power hitter. If, if, if you're striking out as often as he does in the minors, it's you're not going anywhere, you know? Yeah. And, and Waters, I don't think, is a big-time power hitter. So I'm very skeptical. All right, let's take a break, and we'll hit the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The news and notes. Aaron Boone confirmed that Giancarlo Stanton is on track to return Thursday in Oakland. Juan Soto has missed two uh, the past two games with back tightness. Wander Franco said his surgically repaired right wrist didn't bother him while he took swings in the batting cage and fielded grounders on Tuesday. He expects to resume his rehab assignment within the coming days. Chris Bryant received a PRP injection on Wednesday to help with his plantar fasciitis. No update on a timetable there. Ryan Presley has been unavailable the past two days due to neck stiffness. Cardinals closer Ryan Helsley is likely to rejoin the team Friday against the Braves. He's been out with a personal issue. Uh, Eloy Jimenez was out of the lineup on Tuesday after on Wednesday, rather after getting hit by a pitch on his elbow on Tuesday. I believe x-rays came back negative for that. Zach Greinke was placed in the IL with right forearm tightness retroactive to August 21st. Brandon Belt was placed in the IL with right knee inflammation and Josiah Gray will have his turn in the rotation skip this week as the team looks to manage his workload. Which brings us to a prospect promotion, Scotty. Cade Cavalli, the first-round pick for the Nationals in 2020, will make his debut this Friday against the Cincinnati Reds. He's 19% rostered. And in the minors this season, he had a 371 ERA, 118 whip, and 104 strikeouts over 97 innings pitched. I know... This is a big arm here. He throws hard. He's got a wicked slider. Uh, some people thought that, you know, the two-pitch mix, maybe he's kind of bound for the bullpen. But as of now, the Nationals have solely used him as a starter. So what do you think about Kate Cavalli making his debut on Friday? I'm intrigued. I would imagine... Let's see, how many innings does he have? Because I imagine they 
you know, want wouldn't want to tack on too many more for him either. Okay, so he's at 97. He threw 123 and a third last year. And he could continue to take a regular turn through September. Yep. I'm intrigued. I, I'm not rushing out to pick him up, but you gave the season numbers there, which were, hmm. but he was pretty awful early on and has turned things around quite a bit of late. His, his past seven starts, Cade Cavalli has a 147 ERA, a .95 whip. Uh, K per nine is 10.6 during that stretch. Winging strike rate of 15%. Mm. Uh, he's gotten the walks have the walks have improved during that stretch. I, I think that's going to be his biggest issue. Uh, but now Kate Cavalli's legit. He's I'm sure he would be in everybody's top 50 pitching prospects, especially given the way his he's turned his season around. 50 pitching prospects. Everybody's <laughs> top 50 prospects. I was about all. to say 50 pitching prospects. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, top 50 pitching prospect would still probably be like a top 200 prospect. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Kate Cavalli. Uh, let's see how it goes. But this, this it could go well. Would you rather take a shot on adding him compared to Brian Bayo and Spencer Watkins from earlier? I would rather take a shot on Cavalli. Yeah, because the impact potential that I was talking about. No, I mean, Bayo has it too, and he just had a good first start. But, you know, his his other opportunities have gone so poorly that uh, I need to see a lot more from him. All right. The last prospect update here, the D-backs. This one kind of surprised me, Scott. The Diamondbacks promoted their top prospect, or one of their top prospects, Jordan Lawler to double A. Now, he was a first-round pick last year out of high school. So he has played A ball, high A, and now he's already up to double A which seems kind of aggressive. What do you think? Oh, I think it makes sense. I mean, he's All been... Right. It, it is aggressive, but he's he's earned it with his performance. And uh, I feel like he's been... Uh, wasn't he the sixth overall pick last year? That is correct. Yep, sixth. But, I mean, the way he's performed, it, he should have been the first, right? Wow. He has jumped four levels this year, Scott. Rookie ball, yeah. A ball, high A, and now double A. Wow. And he was in the discussion to go first overall, to be fair. Yeah. It was, uh, it was the last year's draft class was pretty stacked at the top, but he's he's been the standout from it so far. And he and Corbin Carroll, I think, are, well, uh, yeah, Corbin Carroll will still be a prospect at that point. That's, yeah, he and Corbin Carroll will both be top 10 prospects, I think, for everybody going into next year. I th- I think they already are based on some of the lists yeah. that I've oh, yeah. seen. But yeah, uh, Lawler. By the way, the line for him this season in the minors: three twenty nine batting average, twelve homers, thirty seven steals, a nine seventy three OPS, a uh, bunch of walks as well. Yeah, he he looks like the real deal. I've got him in Scott White Dynasty League, Scotty. So uh, I'm I'm hoping that they're not you know pushing him a little bit too quickly. But yeah, nah. I'm very no, excited. That's a good sign. I mean, if 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 he. Shows he can't handle it. They'll slow him down. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into a few pitchers duels from thir- uh, Thursday. Today is, well, technically it's Thursday when we're recording this, but we're talking about Wednesday's action. And I do have, I have a new, I have a new drop to use here, Scotty. So whenever we talk about pitchers Oop. duels, we're going to get this. It's time to do, 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 do you know where that's from? No idea. <laughs> It's time to duel Yu-Gi-Oh. I think it was probably too... You're probably uh, too old for the Yu-Gi-Oh fad when it when it kind of came out. I, I am aware of its existence. Okay. But beyond that, it, it has to do with like cards, right? Right, yeah. Did you ever get into any of the card games like Magic the Gathering or anything? Uh, no. Kind of surprisingly because I am a big... More of a board game aficionado, but you know, some games use more cards than others. I'm I'm big into like table table games, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of surprising I never got into those, but I didn't. Yeah. So for anyone else in the uh, I don't know 30 year old demographic that grew up playing Yu Gi Oh, I'm sure you'll love that soundbite. But anyway, let's talk about some of these pitchers duels. Jesus Lazardo at Cole Irvin. Uh, I don't know how much of it is a pitchers duel, just versus like. 
anemic offenses for both teams, but uh, alas, they were both really yeah. good. Lazardo uh, at the Oakland A's, seven innings, two runs, four strikeouts in this one, 11 swinging strikes on 102 pitches. Sinker velocity down one mile per hour, which has been pretty consistent since returning. I don't love to mm. see it, but the results have still been pretty good for Jesus Lazardo. Well, he has allowed two earned runs or fewer in four of five since returning. Re- remember, in the case of Lazardo's velocity, like it was up at the start of the year. He yeah. had this big boost in velocity that we hadn't seen from him. So it, it's not like he's it's not like he's gotten worse since coming back from the injury. Like, oh no, is he still hurt? I, I, he's just returned to normal. Right. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he was going beyond what he really should early in the year, and, and that's why he got hurt. Perhaps. Uh, the one thing we had been seeing from Lizardo, like his change, he had been throwing the changeup more than anything since returning, and it's his best pitch. It was only his third most used pitch in this one. So it, it still worked out fine because he was going, going against the A's, but that's that may be why he uh, ended up with only four strikeouts in seven innings. We, we'd like to see him throw the changeup more and the curveball more, frankly. Just fade the fastball, Jesus. So, you know, since returning five starts, he has a 267 ERA. It, yeah. It's gone well enough that there's no reason to consider dropping him or anything like that. Cole Irvin, I mean, he had the, the more impressive start of the two. Crazy stuff. 25 swinging strikes, including 21 on the fastball. Cole <laughs> Irvin, you know, he's known for his fastball. Uh, he threw it 73% of the time, about twice as often as usual. And I think that's just that just goes to show you how bad the Marlins are against left-handed pitchers that he could he could get away with doing like he could just keep firing in fastballs <laughs> and yeah. You know, his 90 mile per hour fastball or whatever it was, and they just keep whiffing at it. Yeah. They have the worst OPS against left handed pitchers, the worst strikeout rate against left handed pitchers. Uh, Cole Irvin, you know, I mentioned the 25 swinging strikes. His career high previously was 16. Uh, so it's, I, I don't re- like Cole Irvin hasn't unlocked a new level. Like he's been a pretty good pitcher this year. I'm not trying to disparage him. But the, I, you know, I want to look too deep into the numbers in this start. It was mostly the Marlins lineup, I think. All right, yeah, you know, he does have a good fastball though, results-wise this season. One eighty-two batting average against, nineteen percent whiff rate, which is yeah, really good for a okay. you know a fastball, let alone a a ninety-one mile per hour fastball from a left-handed pitcher who uh, his fastball is in the fifth percentile of spin rate. So I don't really go. know how he does it. There's probably some deception involved, but. Shout out to Cole Irvin. Yeah. Uh, who would you rather have rest of the season, Scott? Jesus Lazardo or, or Cole Irvin? Lazardo, but it's it's closer than you might think. I'm I'm I kind of feel about Cole Irvin like I did about Martin Perez earlier in the year. I mean, now Martin Perez, I think everybody's in. But when there was more skepticism, I was like, yeah, it's probably not going to continue. But it's been good enough, long enough that you know, I, I I'm not going to. I'm not going to dump them now, you know? Yeah. As, and, and especially when you look at the home waste, but it's like pretty much always started at home. Yeah. The other pitchers duel, we had Zach Gallen at Brady Singer and Gallen went six shutout with three hits, three walks allowed six strikeouts. And he has now made four scoreless starts in a row for Zach Gallen. The ERA down to 2.66 overall on the season, right around a strikeout per inning, 49% ground ball rate. Zach Gallen has been, Amazing this year. No other word you can use to describe him. Yep. Yep. And then, I am. Um, go ahead. I was I was making him out to be the new Sonny Gray, in which like I'm just never going to be able to figure him out. But I think I'm just fully on board now. You know, four consecutive scoreless outs, a scoreless starts, a 13.6 percent swinging strike rate during that stretch. So that's more like that's awesome. that's more like the Zach Allen we know and love before he was having uh, the elbow problems last year. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, Brady Singer goes seven innings, one run, six strikeouts with just five swinging strikes, which is now famously known as the Adam Wainwright on this show. Uh, Singer has allowed two earned runs or fewer in seven of his last eight starts, and his ERA is down to 3.15. Seems a little bit smoke and mirror-ish for Brady Singer, but 
it's hard to argue with the results that he's providing right now. So I think just keep rolling. Keep rolling well, them out there. I mean, yes and no for the smoke and mirrors part. Past eight starts a 175 ERA. Okay, that, you know, he's, he's not going to sustain a 175 ERA, but you mentioned his ERA for the season is 315. Zach's FIP is 330, you know? Yeah. No, it um, is. I mean, the FIP lines up, up with it too. It's just, I just don't see how it works, you know? I, and I know Chris used to say this too about Brady Singer this season. It's just, you know, he he throws a sinker and a slider most of the time. The slider is better this year and the walks are down. So he has progressed as a pitcher, but it's, you know, it's yeah. not like his swinging strike rate is great or anything. It's 10%, you know, which is below league average technically. Yeah. It's so, probably a bit of a tightrope walk. Yeah. Him, him being able to su- sustain, you know, even the the year the the season long ERA of three fifteen. But yeah, I mean, he's 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 clearly a must roster pitcher. I would say at this point. Yeah, it's not to disparage Singer. I'm just letting you know that you know. Yeah. Some of it seems a little fluky, but. Outside, okay. like, just continue to start him, like, the way he's pitching right now, no doubt about it. A few other standouts here from Wednesday. Pitching standouts, part one. Kyle Wright only needed 73 pitches to throw seven shutout at the Pirates. He turned in eight strikeouts with 15 swinging strikes in that one. George Kirby matches a season high with seven innings pitched up against the Nationals. He allowed eight hits, one run, nine strikeouts. He has just 13 walks in 18 starts. His control... Yeah. Might already be the best among starting pitchers in baseball. That is George Kirby. Cal Quantrill has gone six plus innings in five straight. He went seven shutout in this one with six strikeouts at the Padres. And then Lucas Giolito turns in his first quality start since July 13th at the Orioles. Six and a third, one run, only three strikeouts. There wasn't really anything that stood out to me, Scott, that like overly impressed me with this start from Giolito. You know, just mm-hmm. two walks, I guess, is is something to be excited about when it comes to him. But, uh, yeah, what do you think about him, Quantrill, Kirby, and Kyle Wright? Yeah, I agree with you on Giolito. This was his first good start of the second half, and he still had three strike. He only had three strikeouts in six and a third innings. I'm kind of worried about him. He's gonna be he's gonna be a difficult player to evaluate for next year because on the one hand, it's like okay, the swinging strike rate's still good, the K per nine's still good. Maybe it was just a fluke, but spin rate's down, been down all year. The velocity's been down all year. Not an enormous amount, but enough that you could see it being all the difference. And, you know, it's ultimately going to depend on what his going rate is, whether I invest in him as a bounce-back candidate. But it's, it's uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a clear-cut case of a guy just underachieving. Pitching standouts part two, Shane O. Mack. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Shane McClanahan makes it three straight quality starts. He was up against the Angels. He went six shutout with nine strikeouts. Now that's the Shane O'Mac we know and love. Jose Barrios mm-hmm. makes it two straight quality starts after two terrible outings. He was at the Red Sox. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts for him. 15 swinging strikes. You'll love to see that. Framber Valdez makes it 21 straight quality starts. This one is up against the Twins. And he is approaching the, the record for consecutive quality starts. I was watching this game. I believe it's Jacob deGrom. 24 quality starts in a row within the same season. I think DeGrom also, I think he did like two other starts the previous year. So the record is actually 26 if you combine seasons. But within one season, it's 24. So for Amber Valdez has a chance to actually break that record uh, the rest of the season. I hope he gets it done. And then Andrew Heaney is the final one here. Second quality start in nine outings this season. He goes six innings, two runs, 10 strikeouts, you know, I feel like just recently, Scott, I, I wrote him off at least, or I said something like, you know, he's yeah. not going deep into his starts, and then he comes out and, and he has this amazing start. So I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I ha- I was forced to drop him in a couple of shallower leagues just because it's like, okay, well, I can't use him if he's going to go four innings every time. And, and this was his first start since returning of even five innings, much less Correct. six. Yep. But... You know, if if we can count on him to keep doing this, then he's a pretty big deal. 
Heaney has a 194 ERA, 101 whip, 13.4 strikeouts per nine for the year, you know? So that's, those are obviously like really good numbers that we'd, uh, we'd like to have if, if we could trust him to be treated like a conventional starter. So, uh, I, he's pretty highly rostered still, right? Oh, he's 81%? 81%? He's out there in some yeah. leagues, I guess. And then that would mean like he's out there in 60% of Yahoo leagues or something like that. <laughs> so, I'm, I mean, it might be a big find this time of year if, if he can keep it going. Okay. Uh, so his roster rate is right around Lazardo and Cole Irvin. Where does he fit into that mix? Mm. I, I'd still put Lazardo first. But if you it's, if you want to chase tough. the upside, I could see taking him. Well, over yeah, Irvin. I mean, clearly the upside is Heaney. Clearly, I would. I'm I'm probably going to continue to rank him behind those two. Like if he goes six innings in his next start, okay, he probably moves way up in my rankings. But him doing it just once after having an early hook for so long, I'm 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 still a little skeptical of it. All right. We did have two pitching duds here. Uh, Logan Webb has given up four-plus earned runs in three of his last six starts, and he did it at the Tigers, man. Like, what? Uh, what's going on? Four and two-thirds, six runs allowed, six strikeouts for Logan Webb. ERA is still 3.33, which is fine. It's it's very good. And, I mean, Scott, you know, this is why. You, 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 you let Blake Snell back into the circle <laughs> of trust, and then this is what he does, right? Up against yeah. the Guardians, three and a third, six runs allowed, three homers allowed, four strikeouts, whatever. Um, but but yeah. no walks. Yeah. No walks. Gla- it, it, glass it, half it, full, it, I guess, guy. <laughs> the, well, the home runs burned him this time, and yeah. and he does put the ball in the air a lot, so I guess that's... Uh, I, I guess it's understandable, but you know, the walks have long been the, the main issue for Snell. So now... You know, this is seven starts with a combined seven walks. It's pretty big deal. Yeah, no, pretty that's, big deal. I, I want to be, I want to be abandoning ship. Maybe it'll be uh, something I regret. Famous last words, but <laughs> I'll give Snell a pass for this one. His previous nine starts before Wednesday: two point four two ERA, seventy four strikeouts, over forty eight and a third innings pitched. So, you know. Little tongue-in-cheek with Blake Snell. He has been amazing uh, over his last nine starts before this one. Some hitting leftovers. Matt Olson went three for five with a grand slam. Out of nowhere, Scott, when did this happen? He has 27 homers on the year. I had no idea. <laughs> Matt Olson. He's basically been Matt Olson. So. Just kept plugging away. Well, he hasn't been last year's Matt Olson, but Yeah, the batting average is, he, you know, a little bit lower. His... his is is the the kid who never hits singles basically because everything is an extra base hit and you look at the month by month breakdown it's basically like he hits two forty to two fifty every single month hey. but the power's there and that's the main thing you drafted him for so good there's something to be said for consistency O'Neill Cruz went one for four with a single and two strikeouts which you know on most days I wouldn't even care about this line but. The single had an exit velocity of 122.4 miles per hour, which is the hardest hit ball in the StatCast era. Yeah. Ever. Even more than Stanton or Judge, anything they've ever done. It's now yeah, and, and a lot of people were like, who cares? It's a, It was a single. First yeah. of all, the only reason it was a single is because it was just a, hit a couple inches too low. It bounced off the wall so hard that he was held to a single, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, but then of course the main thing is even if it was an out, even if it was a ground out, like just the fact that he is capable of hitting a ball that hard and nobody in so hard that nobody in the eight years we've been tracking this has hit a ball that hard like that. That speaks volumes about O'Neill Cruz's upside. And I don't think the upside is lost on anyone, but yeah. Every little reminder is nice. Yeah, I, I still think long-term O'Neill Cruz has 40-plus home run upside. It's just, it's got to work out some of the kinks here. The strikeouts are, are definitely, definitely an issue for him right now. Julio Rodriguez went one for four with his 20th home run, and he has just two steals over his last 25 games. 
And really, since the start of July, he's not running much at all, Scott. So I, I, I think projecting his steals for next year is it might be a little bit tricky. Like some people, if he finishes with like 25 to 30 steals, they might just expect that again. But mm-hmm. I think 15 to 20 might be a, a more fair projection for Julio Rodriguez moving forward. Yeah, this is what I worried about, actually, when we were, you know, we did a couple podcasts redrafting for the rest of the season. And, you know, Julio Rodriguez, look at all the steals. You know, maybe he should be a second rounder. Maybe he should be a first rounder. It's like, yeah, but is he going to keep running at this pace? And and actually, I, I don't have the exact quote pulled up, but I did see, I, th- I think it was actually coming from Scott's service, but basically Julio Rodriguez surprised everybody by running that much, and now he has to pick his spots a little more carefully because the pitchers are on to him. And, you know, this was... This was several weeks ago that I read that quote, but obviously it's continued to play out because he's hardly running at all now. And yeah. that's that's the way stolen bases go, you know? Like, just because a, a player is capable of them doesn't mean they're always going to be as motivated to pursue them. Yeah. One of the hardest stats to predict year over year in fantasy baseball steals for basically any player. For what it's worth, he's 97th percentile in sprint speed, so... He, yep. he is a freak athlete. I think he he can run. He's, you know, again, he's just got to pick his spots. Jose Ramirez went three for three with a double dong. He is now up to 25 home runs and has slowed down over the past couple months. We were talking before the podcast yesterday, Scott, that uh, he he was dealing with a thumb issue in the middle of June, and he, he has really slowed down since then. So I yeah. think it's probably something that Ramirez is playing through right now. Well, hopefully the two-homer game is a sign that he is getting past it. But yeah, just to break down those numbers for you, uh, prior to the thumb injury, which he suffered on June 17th, he was slashing 305, 397, 642 in 60 games. Wow. In 56 games prior to this two-homer game since then, 256, 301, 429. So it's, it's pretty clear. Uh, and if, if you look at the game log, like it, the turn really happened at that moment. Yeah, for sure. JT Real Muto went three for five with his 14th home run. He has really turned his season around. It's it's been it's been great for him. Mike Trout went two for five with his 26th home run. That's back to back games with a dong for Trout. Christian Walker went two for four with his 30th homer. He is now tied with Pete Alonso for sixth most home runs in all of baseball. Bobby Witt Jr. went one for four with his 18th homer, back-to-back days with a homer for him. Jose Altuve went two for four with his 21st, and Willie Adamas went three for four with his 25th homer. He finished a triple short of the cycle. We don't have many bullpen updates, but we do have some. Let's talk about Oakland. Danny Jimenez came on for the save in a one-run game. He gave up a solo homer to Nick Fortes. For the Phillies, David Robertson walked one but picked up his 18th save for Tampa Bay. The kiss of death continues. Jason Adam pitched in the eighth inning once again in a tie game. He gave up a solo homer to Mike Trout. On the other side for the Angels, Ryan Tapera pitched in the eighth inning with a one-run lead. He gave up an unearned run. And then later on, Jaime Berea wound up taking the loss in extras. They didn't... I think they did have another save opportunity. And I think it was Berea who blew it. And then he lost the game the final... and uh, The next inning after that, too. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano walked one, but picked up his 27th save of the season. Streamers, let's jump into Thursday. We've got Patrick Sandoval at the Rays, Marcus Stroman versus the Cardinals, Marco Gonzalez versus the Guardians, Jordan Lyles versus the White Sox, and Cutter Crawford versus the Blue Jays. Uh, Probably Sandoval at Tampa Bay would be my first choice. Marcus Stroman against the Cardinals, I'm okay with. The others, meh. All right. On Friday, we have Cade Cavalli in his Major League debut up against the Reds. We've got Mitch White against the Angels, Michael Waka versus the Rays, Glenn Otto versus the Tigers, Justin Steele at the Brewers, Jose Quintana versus the Braves, and J.P. Sears in a revenge game against the Yankees. I want to say Justin, or I want to say the Brewers have been pretty bad against left-handers. So Justin Steele, you know, I just mentioned the kind of run he's been on earlier in the show. Uh, I think he's probably the top choice here. Second choice, it's a distant second, would be Michael Waka against the race. 
The Brewers, you are correct, Scotty. They have the sixth lowest weighted on base average against left-handed pitching this season. And they just proved it against Andrew Heaney, who had yeah. arguably his best start of the season. We're going to wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.